podcast provides our listeners with an opportunity to learn more about the Mount, our alumni, and how we live significantly. We're very excited for what is coming up next for Live Significantly and can't wait to offer you an inside look into the Mount. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce President Tim Trainer. Hello, and welcome to the Mount St. Mary's University podcast, Live Significantly with Pres- President Tim Trainer. I'm very pleased to serve as the president of Mount St. Mary's. And on this podcast, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome Dr. Bill McGee, class of 1966, to the Live Significantly podcast. Dr. McGee is a plastic and craniofacial surgeon who founded Operation Smile in 1982 with his wife, Kathleen, and serves as the organization's chief executive officer. Bill, can you please tell our audience about Operation Smile? Sure. Uh, well, it's, um, it's a, a long story, but a short story, I guess you would say, is that um, back in 1982, uh, my wife Kathy and I were given the chance to go to the Philippines to take care of kids with class. And after I had left the Mount, I went to dental school at the University of Maryland and then medical school at George Washington and then a residency at UVA at into Norfolk for my plastic residency and I studied abroad in France and Switzerland. And so 17 years after I graduated from high school, I finally went into practice in Norfolk, Virginia. I was a slow learner, I guess. And so I wanted to get better at doing kids with cleft lip and cleft palate, and this was an opportunity to go to the Philippines. So I went with a, a group out of Texas, and we ended up in Naga City and had the group operate on about 40 kids, but turned away over 250. And I really went for pretty selfish reasons, to be honest with you, uh, initially, just to get better at what I was doing. But when we started turning away all those kids, it really changed the course and the direction of our life and our family's life. And in many ways, you know, resurrected the values that we should all have. And um, so, uh, you know, it started then and we got our friends to go back and then our friends told their friends. So today we're in uh, about 33 countries and last year had 170 missions and 6,000 medical volunteers and it just keeps growing, and I think it's because of uh, the goodness that's in everyone's heart. You just have to resurrect it at times. That's that's amazing, and and uh, uh, how it all started, and amazing where it's come. Um, Bill, I'm sure you see a new perspective of the world when you're traveling, allowing you to see how many uh, many people live. Since you operate out of so many different countries and parts of the world. What has been, what's it been like for you seeing so many different ways of life? You know, I think that what it's done is it, it opens your eyes. You know, if you listen to the nightly news or you get your perspectives from what you read um, or listen to the politics go back and forth, um, you start to think of people as divisive and, um, you know, against one another. But the reality is... Overwhelming majority of our world are good people, and we've gone to everywhere. I mean, we've been in the middle. We are in the Middle East. We're in Africa. We're in Asia, Central, South America. Um, we were the first Americans to go back into Vietnam after the Vietnam War. Uh, we went back in 1988, and 
no matter where we go, we meet wonderful people. And I think also the fact is that nobody's prejudiced against a child. And so a child, you know, doesn't even, they're not black, white, Asian, Latino, Muslim, Christian, Jew, Buddhist, Hindi. A child is just a child. And I think that when you're working together for a child, you all become one. Uh, this I've never really, during any of these infinite number of, of missions, if you would, we have never, ever um, seen people go after one another. Uh, everybody's working together. Um, and it's it's beautiful to watch. So I I have a different view, I guess maybe you'd say, of the world than you might see on TV or that you might see in magazines. And that's so refreshing to hear. You know, you really pro- help uh, uh, promulgate the story that we all need to maintain hope. And I also take away from what you said that you know helping children is a real unifier unifier among people. So what a wonderful story. Um, you know, one yeah, of the- I think I think that's true. I I, I often say that. Um, how can I say this? I don't I, I don't mean to be cynical with this, but the personality type that would want to be a leader uh, on a world stage has got to have very very strong personality and 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 very driven. Um, and as a result of it, they have, you know, very strong opinions. And it's not always a unifier. But I think children are the universal unifier, if you would. And that if, if we all focus on the children of our world and how to help them, I believe very strongly that our world would come together. Such uh, prophetic words. Now, I, one of the challenges we all face now is COVID-19. Um, how has it changed you and the way your organization operates? And uh, can you tell us about how you've adapted? Sure. Well, we're still doing surgeries, but uh, not anywhere near the number this year that we usually do. I mean, last year we probably did about, I don't know, 17,000 surgeries or procedures. Uh, you know, this year it'll be down to, I don't know, in the hundreds, maybe to a thousand or something like that. Um, but it's given us a chance to take a step back and take a deep breath and strengthen the educational programs that we have, the research programs that we have, um, and those type of things. We also have very, very active student programs right since the very beginning when we first went in 82. Kathy and I, my wife and I, took our 13-year-old daughter, the oldest of our five children, with us. And she came back to her high school and started a high school program. And now there's literally hundreds of high school programs all over the country. And we have a very, very strong student program um, that, I guess you would say, exposes kids to the world in a, in a different way. So we've had a chance to, to focus on that a little bit more. So we haven't. We haven't sat still, I can guarantee you. In fact, I think in some ways we're working harder now than we ever were. Because when you work virtually, you're literally from the morning till at night, you're on a computer screen somewhere. Well, it, yes, indeed, it is. Uh, <laughs> working virtually is a, is a stress. Um, I, I, Bill, I note that we have a, uh, we share a mutual friend in Javi Declare, class of 1973 from the Mount. And he told me he's been on numerous missions with Operation Smile in Ecuador and Bolivia. Right. 
Um, uh, in addition to being amazed at the enthusiasm of your volunteers, Javi commented on the extraordinary cooperation and dedication of your medical personnel from who come from countries that sometimes are at odds with each other. Can you tell our listeners about how you're able to build such cooperative teams with people from all over the globe? I think it's because it's uh, when you go on a trip, first of all, um, it, 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 it makes you humble. It makes you realize how blessed you are uh, that you weren't born in that, uh, in that setting with that scenario uh, you know we all most you know most people that go with us no matter where they're from have been reasonably successful even in their own countries um, but the reality is is that um, there's about five million kids in our world that are born with cleft cleft lips and cleft palates big holes in their lips and the roof of their mouth and they have no access to care uh, 80% of all world doesn't have access to safe surgical care. So what that means is if your kidneys fall out of a mango tree and break your arm and your bone is sticking through your skin, there's nobody to take care of it. Or if you are, your wife has a, you know pain in her abdomen and she has appendicitis, there's nobody to do an appendectomy. Um, and that's the reality for four-fifths of our world. And so when you actually go there and you're with people from all these other countries, um, you are it. You are the ones that can provide the care. So on any mission trip, there's an average of seven different countries that participate with their professionals. And so let's say there's 50 people uh, that are caregivers on a trip from the surgeons to the anesthesiologists, nurses, pediatricians, Etc. Etc. Dentist. They're all there for a common purpose and a common focus, and they're meeting like-minded people who are giving up a few weeks of their year to go help somebody else. And so, I have never ever heard a discussion of race, religion, or culture ever on the trip. Everybody is there, and right from day one, they bond and they become friends, and they learn about one another. Uh, they learn about the culture of the country they're in, and they appreciate it. And it's a very, very unifying kind of thing. I, I can say it in words, or you can put it in writing. But when you experience it real time, it's undeniable. That's so inspiring. Um, thank you, Dr. McGee. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Sure. How do you want to be remembered? Please consider including Mount St. Mary's in your will or state plan. Remembering the mountain your plan is easy, qualifies you for membership in our 1808 society, and will provide opportunities for future students to call the mount their home. For more information, visit our website at msmary.edu. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Dr. McGee, can you tell us who or what inspired you the most to create Operation Smile? Uh, Probably my wife. (laughs) She uh, was on that first trip with me, and both of us felt the same way. Um, There was actually a a thing that happened the night before we were to leave Naga City. The lady was the head of the hospital said, 
someday if you can come back uh, five or ten years from now, please come back because these kids will be, uh, still be here. They'll just be five or ten years older. And she didn't say it with any anger or hostility or anything. It was just the way it was. And we had turned away over 250 kids and their families, and every one of those parents were tugging at us leave and begging us to take care of their child. So you were really feeling pretty guilty. And on our way out, there was a lady who stopped Kath and I uh, on the way, and she had a ripe basket of bananas in her arms, and her daughter at her side, maybe eight years old, with a big hole in her lip. And she came up to us and she said, you know, I don't have anything to give you but these basket of bananas, but I want to give them to you as a gift for trying to take care of my daughter, even though we had turned her daughter away. And, you know, all I could say was maybe next year, but I knew there was no next year. The group we were with wasn't planning on going back. And this poor lady had tears coming down her cheeks and we had tears coming down our cheeks. And I think it was at that moment, if you would, that Operation Smile was born. Um, because I think reason leads to conclusions, but it's emotion that leads to action. And you can logically know what's right or wrong or logically know that you should do something, but when you feel it emotionally, um, it it triggers something in you that that makes you do things. And uh, my wife uh, is that tenfold. <laughs> and so when we came back, you know, it was really just a matter of how are we going to raise the money, how are we going to get the, you know, our friends to go, et cetera. And sure enough, the next year we were back in Naga City, hopping on kids and maybe took care of 120, and another 300. So that just kept replicating itself. And so for everyone was there, our friends told their friends and their friends told their friends. And that's why we're where we are today. That's amazing. And, and uh, you know, you may have already answered this question, but I'll ask it anyway. Can you tell us about a, a time when you really knew um, or felt that your work was having a significant impact on people's lives? Well, I mean, there was there are lots of things, I guess, but one of the most memorable things I still have today is I was at my 25th high school reunion. I went to Fordham Prep in the Bronx in New York, and we were having our 25th reunion down the East River at the Water uh, Hotel, Waterfront Hotel, uh, and it was about three in the morning, and a buddy of mine from high school and uh, his wife and Kath and I were sharing a beer on this on this boat that we had that they had down there, and he is he was a Vietnam vet and, and uh, served in Vietnam uh, after he graduated from college, and he had remained connected in Vietnam. Now he came back and was a very successful guy on Wall Street, owned a you know a house up in northern New Jersey that was beautiful, only a couple of Ferraris and a house in the Hamptons and was part owner of three castles in Ireland. I mean, the guy was successful. And he said, uh, would you consider uh, going to Vietnam with Operation Smile because the Vietnamese will return our missing in action for MIAs? And this was a good 10, 15 years after the war was over. And he said, I know General Bessie, who was then the head of the Joint Chiefs under Ronald Reagan. And he said, I can get General Bessie to help us because you couldn't get into Vietnam as an American at the time. And so I said, sure, if we can, we'd be glad to go. And so he had General Bessie come down and meet us. And then he helped us get our visas through Bangkok. And in the summer of 80, 
seven, we took our first trip into Vietnam. It was John Connor, myself, and three other people, one of them being my 17-year-old son, who was just a little hellion, and they had to get him out of the house so he wouldn't kill himself. And so I, uh, we went over there and uh, went to Ho Chi Minh City, which was like Saigon and, and uh, Hanoi, met all these people and uh, the doctors there and everything. And it was incredibly poor. I mean, it was $160 per capita income and there were no, no cars or anything. I mean, it was all bicycles and people walking, uh, all rice patties and everything. And so we ended up um, coming back and putting together a team. Uh, and in the uh, February of uh, 1988, went back to Vietnam with our first team and operated on about 125 kids. And literally within uh, three months of that trip, the missing in action started coming back to the United States. Uh, today, we're still in Vietnam and have this incredible relationship with the government and everything. And, you know, I can say that we were the first Americans to go back to Vietnam, but... Recently, President Lee Dugan uh, died, and they put together a, a little video on him. And in that video, um, they talk about how he was a different type of president and how he was the one that developed the relationship again with the United States and that he did it not through politics, but through children and through Operation Smile. And so... Again, you start to realize the power that a child has and that when you're working on a child together, people just come together and see each other in the good side of one another. So to me, I mean, that's always memorable. And, and the fascinating thing also is that our son Todd and his wife were having trouble having uh, children years and years later. And what did they do but adopt a, a little beautiful girl from Vietnam? And she's 13 now, um, but what a gift to our family. And why Vietnam? Well, obviously, it's 17 years old. The country made an impression on them, and, um, and we all benefited from that. Wow, that is a truly amazing story. And, uh, you know, as a, as a veteran, um, uh, Bill, I want to thank you for helping, you know, clear the path for the return of the— uh, of our missing in, uh, of the remains of our those missing in action. Yeah, Vietnamese um, are wonderful, wonderful people, and you know, we as I say, we have a wonderful relationship with them. But it all happened through through Operation Smile. So, that children as a unifier. So, Bill, what what? And it's interesting because a couple of years after we went, we went in in eighty uh, eighty uh, eight. John Connor died in 92 of an age in orange lymphoma. And, um, you know, he's a guy that ultimately gave his life uh, because of that war and yet uh, still was able to think outside of himself and help the children of that country. Wow. So, Bill, what, what motivates you to keep going, to keep making life-changing surgeries and traveling the world to make a difference in people's lives? I was one of 12 kids, you know, <laughs> so I was used to chaos and, um, my wife is still nonstop day in and day out. And 
you meet so many wonderful people who are motivated. Uh, we have about 500 employees now worldwide. And so it's, it's, the headquarters are in Virginia Beach, Virginia, but you know, we have people everywhere and, um, you just meet great people and it's enjoyable and you work with wonderful people and, um, there's no reason not to, you know, it's, it's all good. Amazing. Well, let's take a final break and we'll be right back to wrap up this edition of Live Significantly. At Mount St. Mary's, the extraordinary experience we have here will create careers and lives that matter out there. Because from the minute we arrive and for every moment that follows, we live significantly. Bill, can you tell us what has been the most difficult surgery for you or for your organization, and and how did you get through that? Most difficult surgery? I don't know. You know, I I studied over in Paris with a guy named Tessier that started what's called craniofacial surgery, where he separates the bones of the skull from the brain and, and moves the bones of the skull around and everything. And so... Um, through him and he actually came and worked with me for about six years for two weeks every six months and I was given this opportunity to really you know do pretty dramatic stuff but I think one of the most dramatic things that we did was took care of a lady who had a 37 pound tumor coming off the side of her face that she cradled in her arm and um, she, her husband had died the year before tuberculosis she walked 18 miles to come and see us could only sit a stand for three minutes at a time and came with this massive tumor coming off the side of her face. So um, we couldn't take care of her in the Philippines. Um, and so we brought her here to Virginia. And she actually lived with us while we took care of her and um, took off the tumor, lost about uh, 60 units of blood in the process. Um, and, but she went back to her three kids uh, and began her life again. And it was just dramatic. I mean, it was just really, really dramatic being able to help somebody like that. And over the years, we've probably brought 150 patients from other countries here to Virginia. And I've gotten hospitals to donate the space and got the doctors to donate their time. And probably 100 of them have lived in our home with us uh, with our five kids and everything. And it was a blessing for our children uh, because, you know, they had to give up their bed and sleep on the mattress on the third floor. But it, it also, in a, in a way, let them realize how lucky they were. And all of them have done beautifully and do really well. And, and I think the operation style is a gift to us as a family in helping raise our children. Wow, what a gift that 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 is, um, Bill. What advice do you have for our listeners who are striving to live a life of significance such as yours? I think you just have to do what you love to do. Uh, don't worry about money; that'll that'll come. Uh, like I said, I went to school for seventeen years, and we didn't have anything. Um, but it didn't matter. I, I always said, even when we bought the house we're in right now, that. If I couldn't pay for it someday, I always enjoyed camping, so we would just get a tent and pitch the tent and live in that with our kids. But 
you, I, I don't think you have to worry. If you really love what you're doing, you'll get better and better at it, and you'll be successful. If you go into something to try and and make a lot of money, it, it's just different. I don't think you you have the same chance of, of doing well. So I just say, do what you love doing, and don't be afraid of it, and take risks and see what you can do to help other people. Yes, and, and we do have to take risks and, and see what you can do to help others. And you have you and uh, um, Kathy have certainly done that with many, many others in your organization. Um, Bill, you carry a lot of knowledge with you, uh, and I know you're a keynote speaker as well. Do you have any words of wisdom that you live by? I think that you just have to do what you love. Uh, I think that's the most important thing. Uh, If you give love, you'll receive love in the end. And uh, the material things uh, surround you and they'll become a part of you. But you can't have that as your primary focus. And I think love by definition is self-sacrifice. Love's a decision to make somebody else's problem your problem. If you do that and you always think about how you could help somebody else, then in the end, you get better. And I also think good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. And there's no way to get around that. So all of us make mistakes. But that's the best thing to teach you is you learn more from your mistakes and your failures than you do from your successes. So you can't be afraid to make mistakes. Uh, Just learn from them and you'll be better off the next time around. Yes, we all got to learn from our mistakes. I know I do. And I love, (laughs) I love your words there. If you give love, you'll get love. Um, Yeah. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much, Dr. McGee, for taking the time to talk with us today about how you live a life of significance through hard work, dedication, and leadership. Uh, I thank Mount St. Mary's for, for helping me chart that path to a system wonderful experience, wonderful members. And we are so glad that you are part and have been and continue to be part of the Mount uh, community. Um, to our listeners, be sure to visit the Mount's website at msmary.edu slash podcasts to learn more about how others are living a life of significance. And be sure to check out operationsmile.org to learn more about Dr. McGee and his significant organization. Thank you all and go Mount. <laughs>